Welcome to the Winu K-Pod. We hope you are blessed and inspired by what we have in store for you. Good morning. Before we hear the word of God this morning, I would like to share a quick update on our decision to not restart services on Sundays in person. It has been now over four months that we haven't been able to gather physically for worship services on Sundays. And the venues that we are renting in Kent, in Birmingham, and also in London remain closed because of the pandemic. Current government regulation allows for churches to reopen if certain guidelines are being followed. And even though um, there is the permission to reopen, many churches have chosen to actually not reopen yet because it is quite difficult to prepare a service that is both safe and also complies to all the regulations that are in place. For example, in Aylesbury, the centres that we have been renting um, has been opened a few weeks ago, but we have chosen not to resume services yet because if we were to do so, um, in person, and if we follow government regulations, it would mean that there would be no communal singing during our services, there is no drink and food allowed, there is no time to interact with people after the service, because the guidelines say that you should uh, finish a service promptly and uh, people should leave right after. We would not be able to have Sunday school for children as well. Um, so if you look at the government regulation for churches at the moment, uh, it is quite difficult really to plan a service that is safe and that complies to all regulations. For, for many people, um, this, is, this is quite difficult and we all long really to be together again in person and to fellowship and uh, celebrate our services together on Sundays. Um, at the same time, we need to remember that a lot of the things that Sunday services are about, we can continue actually to, to practice them uh, even on Sundays while we meet online like we do today. We meet on Sundays, be it um, in person or over the internet, we meet to, um, for two reasons mainly. We meet um, for being equipped, uh, hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel and growing in our faith and being equipped for the mission that God has for our lives. And we meet also to worship God through our songs and prayers, to acknowledge the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Now, when we meet um, in person, we also meet, of course, for fellowship. Sunday services are about coming together as, as a church family and enjoying, family to, uh, enjoying the fellowship together and encouraging one another. And that has not been possible while we meet uh, online. At the same time, what we have tried to do to compensate for that is to encourage our ministries and our FCs to meet after the online service or maybe on a Saturday in the park in a way that is safe, in numbers that are small enough to comply to government regulations. And I would like to urge you and encourage you to continue to do that because fellowship is important. While we are able to worship God through our songs, even online, and we are able to be equipped and to hear the gospel online. Of course, what is lacking is that, is that fellowship. Um, so please continue to meet together, continue to encourage one another uh, through that. 
I've heard it uh, many times being said over the past months that the church has not closed. It has simply left the building. The church has not closed. It has simply left the building. And I think that is true for our church as well. And I um, really thank God that as a church, Win UK was not closed over the past four months. We simply left the building. We were the hands and feet of Jesus in the hospitals and in the workplaces where God has called us. And we were able to continue to worship God. We were able to continue to be equipped for the work that God has for us out in the world through our online services. So for that, we have reason to be thankful and to praise God for making it possible, for providing the right people so that we can continue to worship God and continue to gather online during this time. And that has been always our calling, to be equipped and to be the hands and feet of Jesus where God has called us and placed us. And this is why we can say that we, we, were, we were not closed as a church. We remained open because we were able to remain faithful to that mission that Jesus has for his church. Finally, we will continue to monitor the changes in government regulations and also uh, we are in touch with the venues we are renting. Um, and once it becomes possible for us to have safe worship services that are feasible in terms of the preparations and the things that we are allowed to do when we gather again in person, once that is possible, the trustees together with the pastors will make a decision for us to resume in-person worship services. And I know we all look forward to it and we all pray that this pandemic will come to an end soon. Um, so this is, this is the quick update on uh, what, what's happening and what the plans are for, for the next weeks and months. And now let us come to the Word of God. We are still in our series on cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. And that series is based in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. And today we are going to talk about the seventh aspect of the fruit, or the seventh fruit of the Spirit, which is faithfulness. And I've entitled the message, Faithfulness, the Foundation of True Friendship. Faithfulness, the Foundation of True Friendship. Allow me to read our text for today. And the passages that I have chosen uh, come from the book of Proverbs, and we will be looking especially at this book today to learn more about faithfulness and friendship. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. This is the word of the Lord. The topic for today is faithfulness and um, as usual and before we come to speak about faithfulness and friendship allow me to uh, quickly summarize what faithfulness is in the bible faithfulness in in the hebrew in particular uh, hemufna 
is literally translated that which is firm and can be counted upon. That which is firm and can be counted upon. A faithful person is one who is dependable, trustworth, trustworthy, and loyal. He's somebody who is firm. And this is why in the Psalms, oftentimes when the writers would talk about the faithfulness of God, they would compare God to a rock. Because a rock does not change. A rock is firm. You can count on a rock. A faithful person is one who is dependable, who is trustworthy, and who is loyal. Now, in the Bible, there are three main areas in which we are called to be trustworthy, dependable, and loyal. And those three areas are our relationship with God in carrying out our duties and in our relationships with one another. Last Friday, during the kids' time, we talked about the first aspect of faithfulness, our faithfulness towards God. And we uh, discovered and we uh, talked with the children about how we can be faithful in our relationship with God. And we looked at the life of Daniel in the Old Testament, which is a great example of somebody who was faithful, not just for a few years, but all throughout his life. Faithful uh, when it was really difficult to be faithful and to have faith in God. Faithfulness also um, refers to the duties that we have as Christians. And Jesus Christ, in the parable of the talents, in Matthew 25, he talks about the faithfulness that is required of us. And if you look at the context, and if you understand the wider historical context of how that imagery was used, the, the best interpretation really for that parable is that as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, we have the duty of sharing the gospel with others. And Jesus in the parable says that when the master returns, he calls the servants one by one, and he asks them whether they were able to be faithful in working with the talent, in sharing the gospel the way it was expected of them. But faithfulness, lastly, also refers to our relationships with one another. We are called to be faithful um, in our relationship with, with our family, but we are also called to be faithful in our relationship with our friends. And that will be the topic for today, faithfulness in friendship. And as usual, whenever we talk about any of the fruit of the Spirit, we understand that these are not just human virtues, but uh, these are really aspects and these are marks of the character of God, aspects of the character of God, which God wants to produce in us. And if we want to uh, fully understand what they mean, we, we have to go back to the origin and the motivation of, of the fruit of the Spirit, which is God, and discover what it means for for God to be faithful so that we understand how we can be faithful as well. And we've done that on Friday with our children, and I will not go into much detail here, but we looked at two scriptures, and one of them was read also um, at the start of our service today. Psalm 86.15 says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And this is one one verse, one description of the character of God that is repeated over and over again in the Bible. And I think it is repeated so often because it really summarizes well the character of God. And what it says about God is that, yes, God is compassionate and is gracious and slow to anger. He abounds in love and he abounds in faithfulness. And that imagery, that term of abounding in faithfulness, what it really means is that 
God overflows. That is the literal meaning of abounding. God overflows with faithfulness. His faithfulness is not like a, uh, a vessel that is half full. His, his faithfulness overflows out of his character. His faithfulness overflows into all of our life, into all of our relationships. His faithfulness overflows. And the second verse tells us that it flows on and on and on and on. It flows from generation to generation. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God continued to be faithful. And one of the ways the Israelites knew that his faithfulness was overflowing and it would abound from generation to generation is simply by looking at their history, by looking at the way God was with them from the time he called Abraham to the, th to the time that they were slaves in Egypt and God delivered them and brought them into the promised land, to the time that they were taken into Babylonian exile and back again into the promised land. God was faithful. And we see that also as we continue the story of the people of God. We see that especially with the birth of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ, God fulfills his promise. God is faithful. His faithfulness abounds and it flows from generation to generation. And it's such a comforting thought, such a comforting promise to know that God has not only been faithful with us over the past years, but his faithfulness will continue to flow into the coming years. He's been faithful to us, the church, before COVID, before the pandemic, and he's faithful to us even during this time of pandemic. During this trial, his faithfulness overflows. It overflows and it has no bounds. And we have experienced it, and we know that it will continue even into the lives of the generations to come, into the lives of our children. We don't know what the future holds for them, but we know that God's faithfulness will continue to overflow and abound from generation to generation. God is dependable. God is trustworthy. God is loyal. And it's wonderful for us to experience and to remember the faithfulness of God. But God also wants us to abound, to overflow with faithfulness in our families, in our duties, and in our friendships. And that is what I would like us to talk about today. And before we go to the scriptures that we have read in Proverbs, um, allow me to, to ask this question. And for some of us, you might say, well, that's very obvious. But let us try to step back a bit and ask the question, why do we actually need friends in our life? Why do we need friends in our life? I, I remember in a way that could be an answer. I remember um, nature programs where you see sometimes um, lions being recorded hunting, hunting maybe uh, a wildebeest. And you, you see that they are trying to, to get one of the animals. And um, oftentimes they would fail because as long as the, uh, the wildebeest will stick together, um, even though lions are powerful enemies, they don't really have a chance to, to get any of them because um, as part of the herd, even the, the, the weakest wildebeest is safe. Um, but then usually during a nature program, you will see one of the wildebeest, maybe one who is young and inexperienced, uh, wander off. And you know, even before uh, you see the lions um, zoom in on that one animal that is alone and without anyone, you already know that it will be that animal that the lions will go for. Now the Bible talks about uh, Satan being like a roaring lion, uh, trying to find people that he can devour. 
And friendship is really important. One, one of the answers here would be that uh, friendship is important because on our own as Christians, we are much more vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy than if we are part of a community and if we have friends who can support us and who can journey with us through life. But we see that friendship was important from the very beginning. And that is what I would like to um, focus on in answering this question. Why is friendship important? Even from the very beginning of creation, friendship was important. We read in Genesis chapter 2, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man that the man should be alone. God looks at all that he has created and he, he finds delight in everything that he creates. He looks at Adam. Adam is alone. And he says, it is not good. So the solution is for God to create Eve, a fellow human being, a woman and a friend. Now, the creation of Eve is not just about giving Adam a wife. The creation of Eve is about friendship as well. And we understand that every marriage is based, every good marriage is based on, on friendship. And if husband and wife are not, are not friends, if they are not united as friends, if they don't enjoy each other's company, if they are not good friends or best friends even, um, that marriage won't be very strong. So God creates Eve not just to give Adam a wife, but he creates Eve because it was not good for Adam to be without a companion. Now what stands out for me here is that the first not good of God, so God looks at all of his creation and says good, 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 and then not good. The first not good of God comes before sin entered the world, even while everything was still perfect. Even while Adam enjoyed a perfect relationship still with God and enjoyed the companionship and the fellowship with God, God looks at Adam and he says, it is still not good for Adam not to have a human companion, not to have a human friend. When Adam was still able to enjoy that perfect unbroken relationship with God, it was still not good for him to be alone. Genesis really tells us and we learn from here that as human beings we are relational beings by nature. Our growth, significance, happiness in life are found in relationship with others. By nature, the way God, the triune God who exists in, in friendship if you want from eternity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the way God creates us, he creates us in his image which means that we too are relational beings. God is a relational being, and we too are relational beings. And we see that in the life of Jesus Christ as well. Jesus, when he was walking here on earth as a, as a fully human being, he also needed and he desired friendship. Throughout his ministry, he sought the friendship of others. And we see that um, in the friendship that he had with the 12 disciples, especially Peter, John, and James, we see that in the friendship that he had with families like Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Friendship was indispensable for Jesus Christ as well while he was here on earth. He sought friendship. He was perfectly human and he felt the lack of friendship. So he sought friendship. He desired friendship for himself as well. I like what C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Four Loves, and it's a, it's a great book to really um, understand better the different types of love, the four different types that um, Lewis identifies here. And one of them is uh, friendship. And in this book, he said the following, ancients 
Uh, to the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves, the crown of life and the school of virtue. The modern world, in comparison, ignores it. So C.S. Lewis says that for, for people in, in, in antiquity and for, for people in, in biblical times, friendship was the, the highest and the greatest of loves. And we will discover that um, today as we look at the different texts um, as well for, for ourselves. Um, unfortunately, that is not the case anymore today. And he says that oftentimes friendship is ignored today. And I would agree with it, because in our culture today, the, the ultimate expression of love is not friendship. It is a romantic relationship or sex. That is considered oftentimes to be the ultimate expression of love. That is what people are interested in. That is what popular culture is about when, when love is discussed. And it is discussed very often in movies and, and pop songs. But when, when was it the last time that you heard a song uh, that is that is popular, um, that talks about friendship. Um, I can't remember one. The, the ultimate expression of love today um, is sex. It is not friendship. And yet in the Bible, we see that it is friendship through which we can express uh, love the most. And it is friendship that God wants to develop in us as he develops faithfulness in our lives and relationships. So what does then a faithful friendship look like? What does a faithful friendship look like? And there's three points that I would like uh, to make here, looking at the scriptures that we have read from Proverbs. And the first one is this, the first mark of true friendship. Friendship is close. Friendship is close. Solomon says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm not sure what your reaction is when you, when you think about this proverb, but in ancient times, this was a very provocative statement to make. It was very provocative because in ancient times, a family was more important than anything else. And yet this proverb says, or it implies that friends can have an even stronger bond than family. The bond between friends can be even stronger than the bond within a family. The bond that can be established between friends goes so deep that a friend can be relied on sometimes more than you can rely on a member of your family. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that this proverb in any way tries to diminish the value of uh, family relations, that remains important. But I think what this proverb does is, it tells us or it gives us a vision for friendship by looking at family and saying that actually we understand the kinds of friendship that God intends for us. We, we would see that the bond that God envisions for us between us and our friends is that it becomes stronger even than family bonds. It is a high vision, a wonderful vision that God has for friendship. And it also tells us be careful not to surround yourself only with companions, to surround yourself only with people who um, are able to, to walk with you, but only part of the way. And when you are in trouble, they are nowhere to be found. Make sure that you don't have loads and loads of companions who give you somehow the false impression that you have loads of friends, yet the bond is not very close. The bond is not very deep. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend 
who sticks closer than a brother. And the reason why friends can stick closer than brothers is because of something else that C.S. Lewis said, and I would like to um, share a longer quote here. So C.S. Lewis uh, talked in, in the same book about how uh, lovers stare at each other, and that, in a way, is the picture of lovers. They look in each other's eyes, and you, you can sit um, next to each other, and, and for hours you just look at each other, and that is the mark that you are really in love with one another. Um, but friends don't do that. Uh, friends don't look into each other's eyes. Friends look into the same direction. They stand side by side looking at the same object. They're both captivated by it and they bond over it. Friendship, C.S. Lewis said, must be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. The reason why friends are so close is because they are bound together by a common interest. There is something that binds them together. And, and C.S. Lewis says that sometimes it might be even a, a hobby like, like dominoes, for example. And because uh, they, you know, two people love dominoes so much or love football so much or love tennis so much, they can bond for hours and they become close friends. They have one common object of interest, and this is why they bond together. But he's using that to make a deeper point that true friendship is close because it is always about something that binds people together. And if there's nothing that binds you together, you can't really be, be friends. And, and the point that he makes later on is that we, we journey together with other people in life. And if you do not know where you're going, if you do not know what the purpose of your life is, it's very difficult to find fellow travelers who can be your friends because you yourself do not know where you are going. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. So in a way, um, a rephrasing of the question, um, what is the purpose of my life, would be, with whom am I traveling in life? What is, what is the purpose, but with whom am I traveling in life? Who are the friends who are traveling together with me through life? Friendship is close because it's about journeying somewhere with someone. It's about having a shared purpose, a shared mission in life. The strongest friendships are those where people share not only a natural interest, but where they share also a supernatural interest together. And those are the friendships in the Bible that are held up for us as examples. So if you think back, what are the greatest friendships in the Bible? Um, you, you would think of Moses and Joshua, uh, Ruth and Naomi, David and Jonathan, probably one of the uh, most beautiful friendships that we see described to us in Scripture. Paul and Timothy, Jesus and his disciples. These people were bound together not just by a natural interest, not just by a hobby, but they journeyed together in life. They had the same purpose and the same passions. Friends bound together not only by love and faithfulness for each other, but also by their love and faithfulness for God. Friendship is supposed to be close. Friendship is, to, is supposed to be intimate, and it can only be close and intimate when we know where we are journeying, when we have a common interest that is more than just a natural interest, more than just uh, being fans of the same football club, but you discover people who have the same passion, the same love for God, people who maybe have the same ministry and the same calling in their lives, and you see that uh, that in itself, that common object, helps you to bond and to become the strongest friends because you are excited about the same things. 
you, you can bond together over the same things. Friendship is supposed to be close. But a, a, a faithful friend is not only a friend who is close. A faithful friend is also somebody who is constant. A friend who is constant, a friend who is loyal. And there's perhaps no greater description of loyal, loyal friendship than Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And what this uh, proverb says is that friends are there for each other. In good times and in bad times, friends are there for each other. In ordinary times, um, in exceptional times, but also in ordinary times, friends are there for each other. They are there, they love at all times. And, and what that really implies is that you need to have time. And one of the reasons why um, maybe uh, genuine, true friendships are on the decline today is because people don't have time anymore. People are so busy with so many things. And this proverb implies that you can't have close, constant friends if all you do is work, work, work. If you've got only time for your work, um, you cannot establish true, close and lasting friendships. Faithful, faithful friends love at all times. Time is an important ingredient. Faithful friends love at all times. And that also means that there's nothing uh, like a fair weather friend. If someone is your friend only in the good times, but is nowhere to be found in times of trouble, he's not really a friend. There is nothing like a fair weather friend. Friends are there in good times and in bad times. A friend loves at all times. A great example for friends that stick together in good and bad times um, are Ruth and Naomi. If you remember the story of Ruth and Naomi, both their husbands died while they were in Moab. Now, Ruth was a Moabite. Naomi was a Jew, and she wanted to return back home after her husband died. When... Uh, Naomi tells Ruth that she is going to return. Uh, this is the conversation that they have. And it's, it's, quite, it's quite dramatic, but also beautiful. In Ruth chapter 1, we read the following from verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Ruth stuck with Naomi, even though it didn't make any sense. Ruth was a Moabite, and she knew that her future was in Moab. It would have been so much easier for her to stay in Moab, in her own home country, and to look for her husband there. And yet she sticks with Naomi. She sticks with Naomi even when Naomi tells her to stay and to not follow her. She stays with Naomi, although we read that Naomi became already very bitter because of all the loss that she had experienced in her life. In fact, she's so bitter that she decides to change her name from Naomi, which means pleasant, to Mara, which is bitter, literally bitter. Um, and she follows Naomi, even though she knows that as a second-class citizen in Israel, it would be difficult for her to find a husband and to have a future. Ruth sticks with Naomi, not because there's anything for her to gain, 
but she sticks with Naomi because they had become friends. True, true friends love at all times. A true friend doesn't treat you as a means to an end. A true friend doesn't treat you as a means to an end. He doesn't or she doesn't just stay with you while you are helpful for them to accomplish whatever they want to accomplish in their life. True friends stick together through good times and through bad times. A true friend just doesn't just say, call me when you have a problem and then walks off. A true friend is there when you have a problem. A true friend is by your side. A true friend is constant and loyal. Let us think about that today. Who are the friends in our life? Who are the friends who, if life went wrong, if you lost your job, or maybe lost uh, your, your finances, or maybe even lost your health, um, or lost your spouse, who are the friends who would still be there for you? Who are the friends who are with you in good and in bad times? If you have friends like that, thank the Lord for their lives. They are a great blessing uh, from the Lord to us. Continue to be loyal to them. Continue to appreciate them and thank the Lord for those friendships. You know why? Because the Bible says, the Bible says, and Solomon knows that faithful friends are very rare. Faithful friends are very rare. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but the faithful man, who can find? Faithful friends are very rare. There are many pressures today that make forging and keeping friendships harder than ever before. It is not easy, as I have said. Oftentimes, there are so many things that conspire against true friendship, deep, loyal friendship in our time today. And the number one factor is a lack of time. But there are other factors as well. Social media, for example, help us keep, helps us to keep in touch with people. But it can also uh, give us the wrong impression that we have loads and loads of friends who aren't really friends, who are companions. And we've seen before how Solomon warns us against having loads of companions, yet no true friends. Scrolling through endless updates and pictures, um, in a way, can even make you feel more lonely. And it takes away from the time that you could have spending with, with a friend having a proper conversation. Another uh, factor, another problem that we have, another challenge is um, all the TV series and all the computer games that are becoming better and better and cheaper and cheaper. Uh, you, you could be watching non-stop different TV shows and movies nowadays if you have a, uh, a Netflix subscription. Um, and, and, and that in itself can take so much time away. And watching those series, you can become emotionally uh, so, so engrossed in the stories and uh, you, you become so engaged with the different characters of the TV series that it gives you the impression that you've got people around you and you, know, you, you are following the lives of people. But actually, even though you spend hours following their lives and you cry with them and you celebrate with them, when you go through trouble in life, those TV characters will not be there for you. We spend endless time discussing afterwards all the things that we have watched instead of maybe using that time to talk about real life, real problems, real people, friends, people that God has put in our lives. How wonderful it would be if some of the time that all of us have become so accustomed to spending online and, and watching TV series and movies, we would realize that this is precious time that God has given us to develop and to forge and to deepen the friendships that God has blessed us with. Friendship today has become oftentimes very 
disposable and fleeting. Proverbs says that true friendship is always loyal. True friendship is always loyal. But there's one loyalty, the Bible says, and Solomon in his wisdom, he tells us that there's one loyalty that we must avoid at any cost. And that is blind loyalty. Blind loyalty, this kind of loyalty refuses to address the mistakes and the faults of a friend. And this is the third point that Solomon makes about faithfulness and friendship. Being candid, being open, being truthful in our friendships and relationships is important. Faithful friendship is always candid, it is honest and truthful. And he says something here that is quite shocking. He says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, this proverb doesn't seem to make uh, sense here at first because we all know that wounds hurt. If somebody uh, hits you or stops you, that, that is very hurtful. Um, yet, and on the other hand, kisses are very pleasant, right? Um, but Solomon says there are wounds that are actually more pleasant than kisses. There are certain wounds and those are the wounds that are inflicted by a friend. Those wounds are actually faithful. They are good for you. Those wounds are better than the kisses of an enemy. Only a truly faithful friend cares enough to undertake the thankless task of pointing out mistakes. What Solomon has in mind, has in mind here is rebuke. He says, when you have a friend and you see that he's gone wrong and you need to rebuke him, when you need to correct him, it is important for you to do that. Yes, it is a, a, a thankless task. No one enjoys to do that. Especially when you are close friends, it is one of the most difficult things to do. And maybe you, you push it out and you think, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll talk to him next week about it. And it's quite difficult because you don't want to hurt the person. Yet Solomon says that open rebuke is better than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you need to address a mistake, it is important that you do that. It is, it is part of what it means to be a faithful friend. It's the mark of true faithfulness. It's love that refuses to be hidden for the sake of convenience or a, uh, a wrong sense of harmony. I'm not going to address it with him. Why? Because I'm, I'm afraid that uh, maybe it will somehow damage our relationship. I'm not going to address it. Why? Because it's inconvenient. Uh, I would, I would you know, rather just um, you know, turn a blind eye towards it and, and pretend that it's not there. But silence in the face of a brother or sister's unwise decision, Solomon says, is not an act of love. It is not an act of love. Why? He says that when we do that, when we ignore the mistakes of other people, actually what we do is we, we are preparing a trap for them. Whoever flatters his neighbors is spreading a net for their feet. Proverbs 29 verse 5. Actually, when we ignore the mistakes of our friends, and we flatter them and we say, that no, everything is fine. You don't have to worry about that. You're preparing a trap for their feet. If our friends are forever telling us how wonderful we are and never point out our weakness, which they more than anyone else can see because they're close to us. They are friends. Other people might not even be able to see that weakness, yet they see it. They see the, the, the hidden pride that we might have. They see the impatience that we might have. They, they see that sometimes we might use words that aren't right. Our friends know that because they know how we truly are. If they don't have the courage to address what is wrong in our attitude, in our behavior, or in our speech, Solomon says that it's like preparing a trap 
for a person. You're preparing a trap for your friend. Because eventually, their mistakes will catch up with them. Eventually, their sins will catch up with them, and the disaster will be even greater. If you have a friend who has the courage to tell you the truth, don't question their loyalty. Thank God for their courage and for their faithful friendship. Solomon says that there are wounds, faithful wounds, that are more important than kisses, that are more present than kisses if we understand that they are important. Oftentimes, perhaps the reason why there is no one um, around us and none of our friends really feels uh, that they are able to uh, disagree with us or to correct us uh, is because we don't let them to. Perhaps they have tried to do that in the past and they have seen that we deflected uh, whatever they said and we became overprotective. Um, and, and from that experience, they said, well, if that is the way he um, reacts, then, you know, I, I would rather not address anything anymore in the future uh, because I don't want him, I don't want her to be upset. But this is not loyalty, the Bible says. Loyalty speaks the truth in faithfulness and in love. Loyalty in the Bible is never just blind loyalty. It is loyalty that is based on the truth. It is loyalty that is based on love. Loyalty says, I care enough about you that I will not allow you to continue in your wrong action or sinful attitude because ultimately it will harm you. It will lead to your disaster. And because I care for you, because you are my friend, I will have the courage to address that. Gordon MacDonald, in his book Resilient Life, says the following about friendship. There is a certain niceness to a friendship where I can be as they say myself. But what I really need are relationships in which I will be encouraged to become better than myself. Myself needs to grow a little each day. I don't want to be the myself I was yesterday. I want to be the myself that is developing each day to be more of a Christ-like person. What a wonderful insight on friendship. That is what friendship is all about. And this is why faithfulness amongst, the, amongst all other fruit of the Spirit is so important for us to continue to grow in all the other fruit of the Spirit. Because if we do not have faithful friends who have the courage to um, address our shortcomings, how would we know that we are not growing in love? that we are not growing in joy, in patience, in goodness, in kindness, in self-control, in gentleness? How do we know that we are not growing in the fruit of the Spirit if there are no friends around us who are able to address our shortcomings? Gordon MacDonald says here that I do not just want friends who help me feel good about myself, but I want friends who have the courage to address what is wrong, so that I can grow, I can be a better version of myself, developing each day to be more of a Christ-like person. How can we become such a friend? How can we become a friend who is uh, close, a friend who is loyal, um, and a friend who has the courage to be candid, uh, a friend who has the courage to be truthful? Where do we find the strength to become such a faithful friend? Well, one answer is uh, the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit that God develops in us, um, helping us to become more faithful. But a second answer is also found in looking at the greatest friend who ever lived, 
a friend who was greater than Jonathan. And, and for me, if you look at um, stories in, in the Bible, probably Jonathan was the greatest friend um, and closest to Jesus more than anyone else in terms of the willingness to sacrifice on behalf of David, his friend. And during this week, um, the discussion guide that we will prepare will focus on the friendship between David and Jonathan. But there, there is a friend who is even greater than Jonathan. And this is what Jesus Christ says to his disciples uh, before his crucifixion. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. In Genesis, we saw that God creates Adam for friendship with himself, and he creates Eve also so that Adam can enjoy friendship with Eve and have a companion. God made us for friendship with him and with one another. But as we continue the story in Genesis, we read that Adam and Eve betrayed the friendship that God invited them to have with him. And when you betray a friend, what happens? The friendship is broken and the, the friend turns away from you. And that is what happened in a way in the garden. The friendship was broken and Adam and Eve had to leave the presence of God. The friendship was broken down. In Jesus, we read that God overcomes that betrayal. We see the betrayal, first of all, repeated in the very life of Jesus. For three and a half years, Jesus is the best friend that the disciples could ever have. The best friend who loves and serves his friends. Yet in the garden and at the cross, we see that the disciples of Jesus betray that friendship and are nowhere to be found. Jesus is betrayed as a friend as well by his disciples. Yet Jesus is the ultimate friend. He's the ultimate friend who sticks closer than a brother. He continues to love his friends, even when his friends betray him. He's the ultimate friend who loves at all times, as Solomon said, the friend who even lays down his life for his friends. He's the ultimate friend who shows us his ultimate love. And by, by doing that, he does not only reconcile us back to God and restores that friendship that was broken between us and God, but he also helps us to become the kind of friends that we are meant to be, to become the kind of friends that we are meant to be. In Christ, we are empowered to newer and stronger friendships, even stronger than the friendship between Jonathan and David. We experience the friendship of Jesus that changes us so that we can become close, loyal, and candid friends, empowered to love people and to love our friends. We are bound together in friendship because of the love of Jesus. He frees us to forgive people and also to accept correction. It is because of the friendship of Jesus Christ that we are changed into the kind of friends that we were meant to be from the very beginning, friends of God loyal to God, faithful to God, but also faithful to one another. It is because of the greatest friend, the ultimate friend, Jesus Christ. 
we have come now to the end of our service and uh, before we end, allow me to close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time of worship, of learning from your word. And we pray that your word will continue to speak in our lives even as we start a new week. Father, we pray that you be with us and that you may use us as instruments of your love and of your peace this week. We pray for your blessing to be, to be upon us, your children. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your work that continues in our lives by your Holy Spirit. May you be with all of us. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with us, folks. If you'd like to know more about anything you've just heard in this session or want to connect with our community, please find us on Facebook by searching Word International Ministries UK or even visit our website on www.wordinternationalministries.org.uk. We're so blessed to have you here and we can't wait to welcome you in the next one. See you then.